0: The sleeper in the bus, There's skill, there's luck. A keeper or cut. Open, file, a case shut. A short, stop, or stop short. Press play or press board. Intelligence for sports. Good of y'all to listen. Aiming at what troop is. Mike no no pitching like the name is Michael Lewis. Others in the dust or left out to rust. Who's hitting, who's missing? The sleeper in the bust. The sleeper in the bust.
1: Hello out there in fantasy land, and welcome to a very special edition of The Sleeper and the Bust. I'm Mike Podhorzer, and I'm joined today by not only Rotograph's editor, Eno Saris, but also ESPN's senior fantasy sports analyst, the talented Mr. Roto himself, Matthew Berry. So Matthew, you're an accomplished screenwriter and fantasy sports writer, and now soon-to-be published author. Should you be renamed the talented Mr. Everything? Huh. <laughs> Uh, it's
0: been a it's been a really uh, weird ride for me, and I'm very I'm very blessed and lucky. You know, it's been a it's been a cool journey, and uh, there's no doubt I have a very weird resume.
1: <laughs> well, it's a resume that I think a lot of us would love to share. And uh, so, speaking of soon to be published author, you wrote the upcoming book Fantasy Life, the outrageous, uplifting, and heartbreaking world of fantasy sports from the guy who's lived it. So why don't you begin by providing our listeners with a brief overview of the book? I wanted to write
0: a fantasy book that celebrated all the things that I love about fantasy. I I just thought a here's how you win at fantasy uh, book would have to be, you know, a little bit too evergreen because you can't really deal in players and, uh, you know, uh, so I really wanted to write a book that, again, celebrated everything I love about fantasy sports, which is the crazy trash talk, the uh, ingenious attempts at cheating, like, outrageous trophies, unbelievable punishments for losing your league, you know, funny stories in terms of in terms of trades and crazy places people have had to draft, the the obsession, things that people have, have done, you know, gone above and beyond to play fantasy or to draft or to make a trade or something. So, you know, just in doing professionally about fantasy sports since 1999, I've been at ESPN since 2006, and I've just heard so many stories. I finally got I'd, I've just collected all these crazy stories, and so I just sort of wanted to put, um, uh, collect them all, put them out there, and, and, and do it. So that's what the book is about. Throughout the book, there's also um, stories, if you've ever read my columns online, you know, that I like to talk about myself, and uh, weave sort of my life into fantasy analysis. So this book is similar in that. It, uh, it, it's, it's my style. So every chapter is a story from my life as well. Uh, that starts with my very first league when I was 14 years old and winds up, uh, you know, when I'm here at ESPN married with kids. So sort of that journey from how I go to 14 to, to being here at ESPN is covered in the book as well.
1: So what exactly, was there like an event that made you decide to write the book? Did you go to sleep one night, wake up the next morning and, aha, I want to write a book? Because actually I published an ebook myself and that's exactly what happened. I actually went to sleep one night. And my mind was wandering, and I'm like, "Hey, I should write an ebook." Is that what happened to you? Was there something else?
0: No, I think it, I think it was more something else. I'd I'd had the thought for a while, and I just honestly, it took me a while to figure out what to write. Like, I didn't want to write a uh, I, I didn't want to write a book. Like I said, I, I didn't want to do like a whole a whole strategy book. Um, you know, that's sort of not what I want to do. And I didn't want to do a book about you know like a fantasy land book, another like a season in the you know season during a season. So. It took me a while to sort of figure out what kind of book I wanted to write. I knew I wanted to write a book about fantasy, I just didn't know what it would should be. And then to be honest, like I finally had a final chapter. It sounds a little trite, but it's true. Like I finally I finally had a, a final chapter. Like the journey was sort of complete. Like when you read the book, you'll see like in terms of like uh the marriage to my wife and, and the birth of my daughters and and so it just sort of seemed like the right time.
1: Yeah, well, I have to say that the book is certainly unique. I mean, this is not a book that you would normally find in the shelves. Like you said, you can find fantasy strategy books. They they come out all the time. And, and this is certainly different than anything else that's out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who do really smart strategy stuff. I obviously, I do my draft day manifesto every year for for baseball and football. And I think a lot of that exists online. And there's a lot of, uh, to your point, you know, uh, strategy books out there in terms of e-books and, and, and regular books and everything like that, Mike. But... For me, it's sort of, I wanted to do a book that was, that was really me, and I wanted a book that could be on the shelves five years from now, ten years from now, and, and sort of have a long shelf life. And, and again, for me, my, my whole thing with, you know, I know the people listening to this podcast are, are probably hardcore players. If you're a graphs fan, you're a hardcore guy. Uh, but, um, you know, a lot of the fans that I deal with on ESPN and, you know, in my own personal uh, game, you know, it's fun. That's always sort of been my thing, right is like fantasy's fun at the end of the day it's really about fun and you play it because you enjoy it and it's a way to pass the time and it's a way to enjoy baseball or football even more by playing fantasy and it's a way to connect with your friends and your family and and so I, I wanted a book that celebrated all that because I didn't feel like there had really been a book that did that that I think that's one of the success of the show the league is uh, is because I think it really embodies the one of the things that show does best is I think it really embodies the spirit of fantasy football. It takes it to an extreme, obviously, for comedic effect, but it really does embody the spirit of it. And you know, the the, the first book I ever read on fantasy sports, obviously, the original rotisserie league baseball book, the very first one, the green cover, that also had a lot of the same sort of spirit and just the fun of it. And and I kind of wanted to bring that back.
1: Now, just out of curiosity, did you consider self-publishing just an electronic version or had you known from the start you wanted a physical book?
0: I wanted a physical book. You know, so much of what I write is disposable. You write it and it's the advice. i got a column coming out later today. And, you wonder, and the advice will be, you know, maybe it'll be good in a week or four, but maybe not. Like, you just, you know, fantasy value obviously changes all the time and the majority, you know, 95% of what I write is player-based evaluation. And so it's all very disposable. It's it's good for the the day or two that it's up, or a week, even, uh, you know, maybe a month in the preseason. But it's all very disposable. I wanted something physical. I wanted something on my shelf. I wanted something that I could hand to my my daughters in ten years when they're you know, uh, when they're of age that they could appreciate it. You know, so so that was that was important to me. And you know, I, you know, I don't know. I was very lucky in that um, uh, Riverhead Books, which is a division of Penguin. Was interested enough and wanted to publish the book. If all the people turned it down, I don't know. Maybe I would have self-published. But I was I was lucky in that there were, um, you know, I wrote an outline and people read it and you know seemed to believe in the project and uh, were willing to publish it. So I'm excited
1: about that. Now, as I was reading all the stories in the book. Uh, I was wondering, and I'm sure everybody that's going to be reading the book is going to be wondering as well, how exactly did you go about collecting the stories? I mean, did you go door to door knocking on uh, people's houses? Sure. Hey, you got any crazy fantasy stories for me or a uh, more formal method? Well, no,
0: somewhere in between there. Some I had just collected over the years. They're just people you know, had even tweeted me or emailed me. And then I very specifically, um, once the book project had come together, so I had – When I wrote the outline for the book, there were some example stories in there that I had heard over the years that I knew, some from my own life, some from friends, that kind of stuff. Readers that had sent me. But, uh, you know, when when I sold the book, I I, you know I went on my podcast. You know, we do our own podcast, The Fantasy Focus, me and Nate Rabbit. So I went on that one. I um, you know put a notice in my column. I uh, tweeted and Facebooked out a few times. Hey, you know, do you have a funny fantasy story? Do you have Um, You know, I'm writing a book. If you have an interesting fantasy story, let me know. And then, you know, the problem wasn't getting the stories. The problem was sort of whittling them down. I got like probably 5,000 submissions and there's about 250 in the book. And they're obviously, you know, everyone that sends it in, like, they're not all professional writers so you have to sort of figure out like what's what's the funniest story and like then when you've got the story you've got to sort of reshape it to to make it the funniest and and get the salient point out of the uh, out of it so that was the that was sort of the challenge there was was trying to uh, to find the funny part of the story
1: now when you chose people's stories for the book did you send them an email hey you made it into my book congratulations and I did it's out
0: I did. It was on, you know, and there was a lot of, it. I mean, uh, you know, my, uh, my, email, like it was crazy. Like, cause you'd get things and you'd like go back and forth with people. Like you'd hear one thing, they'd send you a story and then you'd be like, Oh, I'm not interested in all that, but there's one little nugget there that's interesting. Like, I, I'll give you an example. So here's a guy sends me an email and says, Hey, I'm a, i am I do a fantasy league. He tells me about a, a, a bad, a bad beat story. And he's a fireman. In Los Angeles, and he's in a league of all firemen. And I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So I write, you know, I write him back. I'm like, hey, I'm sort of interested. Tell me more about your league with the firemen. What's there? Because I thought maybe there was something interesting there about just a league of all firemen. And uh, you know, I'm like, do you ever do fantasy while on the job? Blah blah. blah. He writes me back a seven thousand word email. <laughs> I swear to God, a seven thousand word email that takes me through his entire season, one particular, his greatest season ever. And he's just like, I mean, and it's like. Oi, you know, it's like, uh, you know, week four. I was trying to decide between this running back and this running back. And ultimately, <laughs> I decided to go on this running back. But then this running back was a late scratch, <laughs> so I had to go with the other running back. And then, you know, in the fourth quarter, he didn't have enough yards, and it looked like I was going to lose. But I mean, like, he's taking me play by play oh, every sure. game. 7,000 words. Unreal. So I'm skimming through it, skimming through it, skimming through it, going, oh boy, oh boy. But then he gets to one point, and he tells me a story where he says he's in Malibu and this is like in 92 93 before people you know had cell phones before they were prevalent and certainly before anyone had you know internet access on their phones and he says uh he says we're dealing with a brush fire in Malibu and he says when you're out you know you're out there for two or three days you're just trying to contain it and uh you don't really get to sleep i mean you're just you know it's a brush fire all hands on deck sort of thing so he says i uh he's like i realize as i'm dealing with this brush fire sunday's coming up i haven't set my lineup yet so I don't know what to do. He's always walking down the street, and there's a uh, you know, kind of getting people into the houses. And there's there's one family that's uh, that's sitting outside, and they're like, you know, oh, uh, you know, uh, officer, is there anything we can do to help with the fire? And he says, in his most official voice, Yes, ma'am. I need to use your computer. That thing helps fire, you bet. So he's like, but, but I you know, I, I need to be alone. Official police, uh, official fireman business. Of, of course, of course, goes in, sets his line up. They never know. So that's like one paragraph out of seven thousand words, but that's funny, right? I mean, guy uses his badge during a fire to set his lineup. So, you know, like, so then, like, I had asked him a few more questions, like, did they know, blah, blah blah, what year was this, you know, all this kind of stuff. And five, six emails later, I've got a paragraph for the book. So, you know, it was it was a lot of that. That's
2: that's pretty that's pretty sweet, you know without ruining um more of your stories because there's, there's some really great stories in there um you know i i noticed that uh there are some there's like sort of group of stories that are talk about the things that people do to get into leagues um and and getting kicked out of leagues and getting into leagues you know it occurred to me is there any way that fantasy leagues are are kind of the new fraternities or, or like Kind of uh, accessing that sort of mode that they uh, give us a sense of belonging and a, and a group to belong in.
0: I think so. I, I you know, I, I often heard, you know, fantasy is the new golf, right? But that, I mean, I, that's one of the things that drew me to fantasy, and it's one of the things, it's one of the themes in this book is just about how, yeah, it is, it is like a fraternity, it is like a family, it is like a, you know, it's a group. Like a lot of the leagues that I'm in, I'm in because. They are people that I care about, and it's a way for me to keep in touch with them. I'm in. I'm still in my very first league ever that I started when I was 14 years old. I didn't start it, but um, you know, next year will be the 30th draft of the Fat Dog Rotisserie League. It was we did it in 1984 by hand. You know, there's a picture from my very first draft in the book. I have got you know thick glasses and frizzy hair, and uh, you know, and I paid $48 for Ryan Sandberg in my very first draft. Uh, I was stars and scrubs even back then. But, you know, it's um, so, yeah, I think so. I think that's one of the big appeals of fantasy is that it connects you to people that you might not stay in touch with, whether it's, you know, long lost friends, buddies, family, family members, a lot of stories about in terms of work and just some funny stories that happen at work. But basically, you know, it's a way for the president and like the lowest guy in the totem pole to, to interact gives them something to talk about and a reason to communicate, and so we, we've got some funny stories from work as well, in there. But you know what? Listen, there's 250 stories, guys. You're not going to ruin anything. So if <laughs> feel free to um, feel free to bring up uh, any stories that you particularly like or whatever well, you talk about.
2: I- I'm particularly uh, interested in the in the, the concept of cheating. Yeah. Uh, also, and uh, there's one story you tell about basically a fake insider Twitter account, which is just amazing to me. <laughs> And um,
0: I don't yeah. think that one's. What's interesting is I don't think that one's cheating. I mean, there's a whole, there's two chapters on cheating, um, with some really ingenious stuff. I actually don't think that's cheating because I think. So what happened? Is, what the story is is like there's a there's a group of guys that do call Crown guys out of Virginia, and they chalk so much trash, that they all created separate Twitter accounts because everyone was complaining. All their friends and their wives and everything were complaining. Uh, they're all from a fraternity at the from the University of Virginia. And they created separate Twitter accounts and they're all like at Ducal Ralph, at Ducal Bob, or whatever, right? So they're all so they're specifically for the Ducal League, and all they do is talk trash to each other. It's ten guys in the league. And they all follow each other. So they each have like nine followers. Except one day, out of the blue, there's a new Twitter account called at Ducal Shepter. And it's a parody account of Adam Shafter, our ESPN NFL insider here. And no one the great thing is so he's following all of them and they all immediately follow him. So there's eleven guys with these Ducal Twitter accounts and the <laughs> says, no one in the league knows who it is. So they have this league has its own insider and what he does is he like he DMs you for information. And he's you know, like, hey, I heard your talk and trade with, you know, Ducal Bob, you know, and blah blah blah. And then he's tweeting out information. Trade talks are heating up. And so it's like one of those things, it's a double edged sword, like you can use this guy to like feed false information but you don't know who you're dealing with so no one in the league has admitted to being it Um, they know it's somebody in the league and i I just think that's that's unbelievably brilliant but obviously they're all choosing to engage with this guy so i actually don't think it's cheating i actually think that's fairly clever
1: i don't think it's cheating i just think that's hilarious yeah yeah
0: i thought that when he told me that i was like oh my god that's that's hilarious and it's one of those stories believe it or not my editor didn't love it And I'm just like, maybe I'm not writing it right, because I think that is hilarious, that a league has its own insider, no one knows who it is, and he's DMing guys left and right, getting information, reporting on stuff, and people are trying to use him, but you don't know if the person you're feeding false information to is actually the guy you're trading with.
1: I, I, I think it's just a whole different level of brilliance. I wonder how many leagues this is going to inspire. So if you're in a league after this book gets published and suddenly you have some new Twitter account that starts following you guys asking for trade talks, you know that it was inspired by your book. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I there's some really cool stuff. Some
0: of the early reviews that people have gotten are just like, my league's too whippy or like, hey, we're implementing that. So, you know, I really – somebody – a friend of mine who read an early draft of the book said, wow, this is this is kind of a love letter to fantasy sports. And I – I really hope it is. And, and I think that one of the cool things that I discovered in writing the book, and I'm hoping that people, when they read it, will have – so it's just like, oh, that's a good idea. Oh, that's funny. Oh, I like that. Oh, we should do that. You know, like I got a bunch of ideas for my own leagues, and so I'm hopeful that uh, that will happen for uh, other people as well.
2: Well, you know, the one thing that's interesting, though, is that – and I'm sure this has happened to you, so I wanted to ask you about this – you know, some of this stuff requires a lot of uh, attention span and energy and time, and um, you know you, you're still in your first league, so you you have remained true to the to your roots, which were I have one league and I'm going to obsess about every single player on my team and every single player on other people's teams. Every I'm going to know every roster. I'm going to really you know figure this league out and win this one league, but you know you know, we all have requirements where we're in double-digit leagues. I don't know if you are necessarily, but I'm in 12. I cut that down from 15 because it was just too much. Uh, You know, Mike's in six, and he thinks that's that's pushing a little bit. How do you balance that sort of old, that sort of old passion and energy um, for these, like, old-school leagues with your uh, professional requirements with sort of labor, tout, those sort of things, and having more leagues? So have you found yourself stretched a little thin sometimes with your amount There's of no leagues. question.
0: There's no question. When you do this for a living, you just you get invited into so many leagues and it just it becomes too much. And I try to cut down. I'm actually in this year I think I'm in five fantasy leagues. 5 or 6. I think it's actually five. That's one well lecher-
2: that. I would have expected more.
0: <laughs> and no no, I but I used, it? used to be like in 10 and 12 and I cut it down specifically for that reason. So I'm I'm in I'm I'm in five. There's a six one where it's just we drafted and there's that's it. You know what I mean? So it's like right. I'm really technically in five um, and it's been more enjoyable. You know, it's weird. And, and probably when it gets to football, I'm probably like in 10, eight to 10. But I do. I try to limit it. You know, I just I just say no. Like when I first got into this, I would say yes all the time. And, yeah, I've tried to cut it down. And I'm, I'm with Mike. I, it gets to be a little bit too much. The weird thing for me in fantasy in terms of you, you sort of asked about motivation, and it depends. Listen, I, I wanna win because, you know, my old old friends and like some internal leagues here at ESPN like I care about, obviously. So you try to find motivation in each place, right? Here internally at ESPN it's like it's trash talk, you know, something like tout wars, you you know, in, in terms of the industry rights. But the truth of the matter is, guys, is that for me, you know, I don't know how I don't know how exactly to say this, but when I got the job at ESPN I felt so blessed and so lucky that and, and you'll read this you guys read this in the book, I it was like I'd won the Ultimate Fantasy League. You know, I mean, it really did. Just to, to have this job and, and to be able to do this for a living, I really felt like I'd won, like, the greatest league ever. And it was weird, but now when I play fantasy, like, I still want to win and everything like that, but when I'm on Sundays during the football season or whatever, I'm rooting for my picks. Like, I, you know, for example, I I have... um, I Chris Davis was a sleeper for me in the preseason. Like, I had him... I had him probably five or six rounds ahead of the ESPN consensus ranks. Uh, I was a big believer in him uh, this season, and like so. But out of my five teams, I think I have Chris Davis on two, but I still root for him, even though you know he's killing me in three other leagues, right? So um, oh, two other leagues because one of them is an NL only. But you know what I mean? Like I root for my picks. Like on on NFL Sundays, if I say like, oh, I, you know, I think Matt Schaub's going to have a big week this uh, this week, even if I'm playing against Matt Schaub. I find myself, I'm rooting for Matt Schaub. I would rather Matt Schaub throw 300 yards and three touchdowns and I lose all three games than the reverse. So that's, that's sort of what I, you know, that's sort of how I uh, kind of do it in terms of my motivation. So I want to win, I play for fun, I, I try hard, but you know, ultimately uh, sort of what I compete for is just is like, you know, getting my picks right and, and, and doing well there.
1: You know, as uh, a fellow member of the Chosen People, yes. uh, there was one story that really shocked me. Okay. I just you, you probably can guess which one it was. So all Jewish people have horns? Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, the, oh me in Texas. Yeah. Um, yeah so, that's not what I thought you were going to say in terms of
0: shocking. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that story is absolutely true. When I was 12 years old and I was in Texas, I just moved to Texas, small town Texas, um, and uh, I was eating matzah and, uh, it was Passover and this girl's like staring at me and I'm like, what? And she's just like, uh, where are your horns? I'm like horns? <laughs> my dad says all Jewish people have horns. And so, yeah, true story. And it was just like, wow, I am, well, I am in Texas. I am in Texas. You know, this is I'm trying to think how old, long ago this was. I mean, this is, this is long. I'm, I'm 43 years old. I moved to Texas when I was 12. So, I mean, you're looking at 30 years ago. um, but uh, uh, yeah, that is a uh, that is a hundred percent true story. And it, it just sort of goes and it, it was sort of the themes is one of the reasons why I think I was drawn to fantasy sports is because I moved to Texas and I'm I'm, I'm this Jewish kid. And, and, you know, I play tennis. I'm not you know, I'm not a football player. And I definitely felt like an outsider. I moved around a lot as a kid. And so getting invited into my very first league when I was 14, it was just sort of like, a, oh, wow someone wants me to belong and someone wants me to be a part of it. And, and so, you know, I joined it and obviously fell in love with it.
2: You didn't, you didn't name that, uh, you didn't name that unfortunate little girl, but, um, you know, and you didn't name a lot of the people and just sort of talked about generalities, but the, the, the general thing, the stories are very specific. So, you know, were there anybody, was there anybody that was mad at you, uh, for choosing their story or for sort of no, outing them? They, they, they were all, they all got submitted
0: they all, you know, they all were submitted to me. Right. And so there are a couple places where they asked me to change the name. You know, there's a, um, there are a couple places where, uh, where they asked me to change the name. There was, um, you know, like I have, I have a story. I have a story in there about a, a priest, right. He's a pastor, I should say. So he's a pastor and the story is so he's, He's a, the commissioner of a league filled with pastors, <laughs> and he, um, he, he, wins the, he wins the regular season. He's the number one team. He goes into the playoffs. He wins his, his, his fantasy football playoff, and then in the second – two days after he wins his playoff, he squeaks by by like two points. This is, if you guys remember this, Rashard Mendenhall, uh, the NFL ruled that Rashard Mendenhall didn't rush for 100 yards. He rushed for 99 against the Jets. This is you know week 15 uh, a couple years ago. And so they change it. And so basically, because of because he got a, a bonus for 100 yards, he now loses his his semifinal matchup. He's so upset, feels like he had the better team. He can't believe, you know, he'd celebrated obviously, and now with this this uh, st- stat change by the NFL by Elias, he's now officially lost. So that night he goes in and changes it so that the scoring remains the same, and he is still the winner. <laughs> next, day at work, right? next day at work he comes in and everyone starts yelling at him and everything like that and so right so he's like this cheating pastor in a league filled with pastors and so which was an amazing story but you know he actually wrote me from a church email um, you know it's a true story but he's just like you know hey you know change my name you know and right. so like his name is different like so there were things like that um, but uh, in general no no one so far I mean we'll see right I mean no one's seen the in the book, they've all, they've all signed a release saying, uh, they can be in the book and that I can, you know, uh, edit their, edit their, uh, story for, you know, uh, entertainment purposes. Cause a lot of people write long and I think you guys will test it. The book moves quickly. It's a, it's a quick read. You know, I don't focus on anyone's story too long. It's just you know, very funny. And I move in and out of my stuff. And, uh, but no, no one was, no one was mad. I think in, in fact, they're all, they're all thrilled to be in the book and, uh, you know, asking for free
2: copies. So someone, someone will claim they were quoted out of context or I'm, you edited still, it too I'm hard.
0: I'm just waiting. We're just, uh, I'm waiting. But so far, <laughs> no one's upset.
2: But you, you mentioned your your writing style there and and how you were. It's it's almost um, blog like, or it's very sort of conversational. And it's not your typical. Um, it's not dry in any way. It's definitely not novel esque. You know, and you've written different ways your whole career. Uh, I'm just interested, sort of, in your thought process about the tone you were going to take in the book and um, and how that relates to it being a, an actual print book and, and if you thought about, you know, drying it up a little bit or, or changing it up in any way.
0: I did. I actually wrote two drafts of the book. The first draft of the book, I actually was going to do it sort of oral history style, right? You know, like, if you remember, like, the old Saturday Night Live, the book about Saturday Night Live, you know? Um, yeah. Um, you know, so I was going to do it, like, sort of oral history style. And so my point, my plan was to just sort of, like, Basically, take people's emails and sort of put them, put them in the right order, and edit them a little bit. But basically, write it oral history style. And I did a version like that, and it was terrible. It was <laughs> terrible. And I, you know, I just re- because the tones of all the emails were so all over the place. Right. And um, I realized I needed to put it in my voice, and then, and that was some early feedback in terms of trying to go more novelly. And then I just sort of thought, you know what? screw it. I, my whole life I've basically just sort of like, what, well, this is me, love it or hate it. And so I just wanted to write it like like me. And, and I appreciate you mentioned the conversational style. I work hard at making it conversational. Like that's not, it, it doesn't come easy for me. So I make, I work hard at making it like that. And uh, I thought, you know, this is a book, again, it's a book about fantasy sports and I wanted it to be fun and I wanted it to be funny and I wanted it to be reflective of me. And And I thought that was me. And I thought if I tried to suddenly go Joe novelist, you know, or great American novel, I'm just like, well, that's not true to me. And honestly, it's not true to fantasy sports. I mean, we've you know, we got stories about guys getting, you know, markers on their ass, you know, and like, you know, there's like three different pictures of guys in various states of male nudity because of uh, because of fantasy things that have happened to them. I mean, we got guys with tattoos on them and, and, uh, you know, so it's like. You know, it, just, it wasn't me, and it didn't, and it didn't feel like fantasy. It, you know, I wanted, I wanted the book to feel like fantasy and be a true reflection
1: of me. So that was sort of the idea that I went with uh, there. So, Matthew, I've always been curious. As a fantasy baseball nerd, I've come to watch the Tower Wars auction several times, including the ale-only league you participated in. I'm sure you've seen me there before. Um, and you talk a lot about trash-talking in the book. And I know you like to stir the pot yourself during the auction— Right. So, I mean, is this all in good fun or an attempt to mess with your opponent's heads and throw them off their game? A little bit of both. It's more in good fun. It's it's more in good fun.
0: In Tau all those guys are so good. You're not going to throw them off the game. It's honestly, it's more for the, just the comedic value and and just those are all they're all good friends. I've known them all forever. So it's more just having fun and anything like that. So I'll do it some at an at a you know at auctions here at work or. My, where I can influence the situation a little bit more, you know, or even my old town league. And we've been playing together for 30 years, so they know me really well. But still, you know, because of my job or whatever, they'll think like, uh-oh, what does he know? So sometimes I'll use that,
1: but it doesn't really work at Tot Wars. All right. Well, I'm going to be speaking for everybody here and saying that we're all eagerly anticipating Crocodile Dundee draft a fantasy baseball team. So when do you plan on writing it? Because I'd certainly go see that movie.
0: Oh my God, no! Hey, <laughs> you know, I touch on this in the book. That was a horrible experience for me. Look, look, a, a Crocodile Dundee in Los Angeles bought me a big house, uh, but it was a it was a horrible, terrible experience. Like I did not enjoy one minute one minute of it. It it wasn't a good movie. It wasn't a good experience. Uh, I'm not a fan of Paul Hogan. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's, um,
2: it,
0: you know, I I talk about it in depth in the book. You know, as as you guys know and. Uh, it was just a, yeah, that was a bad, ex- it was just a bad experience. And it was one of the things, there's a long list of things that made me want to like basically quit showbiz and try to make a living at fantasy sports. And I talk about that in the book. Um, but that was definitely, definitely one of the episodes was, uh, yeah, you know, the weird thing is here's this is hilarious part. I actually have a contract, part of our contract when we were negotiating with Paul to write this for, for him. So if he ever wants to do Crocodile Dundee four, he has to offer it to us first. <laughs> oh, wow. I can't imagine he ever would Want to do Crocodile Dundee 4 Croc 3, you know, Croc 3 made money But obviously not to the success level Of the first two, but uh, it's just hilarious Because actually there is a contract That he would have to uh, he would have to Pay us to write uh, the, the first draft of the fourth one uh, If there ever was one
1: And you know, Matthew, I apologize I, I know that people still give you crap For that, and it probably will never go away So I'm sorry for that
0: Oh, whatever. I don't, know. you know, I mean, you know, one of the things is about me, about my career is I've always been very honest and open about it. And like, I'm under no illusions about it. honestly, anything, like, be it myself or or uh, or my career or whatever. And so, I mean, look, Crocodile in, in Los Angeles is not a good movie. It's a um, in fact, I, I feel like we got screwed out of the Razzie that year. <laughs> I'm very bitter about that. E- it's you know what it is though it's not it's not a good movie it's not a terrible movie in the sense that like if you wanted to watch it like it was it was supposed to be a family movie so like I have kids now I would have no problem showing my eight year old the movie I would have no problem showing a four, you know when he was four I wouldn't have a problem with it because there's no dirty humor in it or anything like that it you could put your kid in front of it not worry the whole thing goes by fairly quickly it's like less than an hour and a half this is not very funny or interesting you know it's it's, it's a very vanilla movie but. uh... But whatever, like I said, I mean, like, if if you're going to sell out, sell out big. And, you know, it, it, uh, I, I I made a lot of money from that movie. So uh, it just it, and it was a horrible experience. So, it, you know, it just it taught me a lesson that uh, there are a lot of things in life a lot more important than money. So it was a it was a good experience from that standpoint.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, it's, it's clearly nothing to be ashamed of i mean you wrote a movie how many other people can say that they wrote a movie i certainly haven't and probably never will so it's quite an accomplishment and so it's something to be proud of and everybody that makes fun of you for it you just rub it in your their faces and tell them how much money that they made that you made that they haven't so i can't
0: imagine anyone says anything about that movie uh that i haven't said myself um so (laughs) it is plenty of other things to make fun of me about that's, that's low on the list of things I'm worried about. So, uh, you, but you did, it's, it's also low on the list of things I'm proud about. So, uh.
2: <laughs> you, you did say that, uh, just, just now that you kind of wanted to, that part of that was get, you wanted to get out of show business, but yes. you know, in this weird, uh, circular world we live in, you kind of went, uh, from show business into making money on fantasy to back to show business. Um, do you feel that at all? Well,
0: now somewhat. You... I mean, it's it's yes. I understand what you're saying. Like some of the lessons I learned in show business, I use to this day. And you know, it's weird. Like I, I you know, I had to leave Hollywood to win an Emmy, right? I want I won an all Emmy right. for Fantasy Football Now on ESPN, and it's you know, it's like uh, I became more well known, right? You know, I, I didn't get on TV until I left Hollywood. You know, it's like so. It's it's sort of random. Uh, with that sort of stuff but yeah i mean look there's i mean that's a big part of what i think a lot of people who who um do fantasy analysis maybe don't understand at the end of the day it's entertainment none of us can predict the future none of us none of us know what's going to happen and so we're all making educated guesses based on the information we have and you know our our analysis of the stats and the, and the news that we hear seeing but the truth of the matter is is that you just you just never know and so ultimately people that listen to this podcast that read my calm that read you guys that listen to our podcast that watch ESPN or watch anything they're doing it because they like it because it's fun it's a, it's a form of entertainment they're choosing to play fantasy sports as opposed to Farmville or you know <laughs> what words with friends or you know do stuff on Pinterest or what I don't know whatever you know uh, that uh, people do right? it's just you have x amount of free time and you choose to do it However you want. And so the people that are choosing to spend time in fantasy sports and spend time with me and spend time with you guys and hopefully spend time with a book and what have you, they're doing it because it's fun. It's a form of entertainment. Entertain me. And there's lots of different ways to be entertained, whether it's, you know, you learn something or you're laughing or you're crying or you're feeling emotion or, you know, what have you. There's lots of different ways to be entertained and to feel moved and to, to engage intellectually. But ultimately, that's what we are. We're entertainers. At least that's, that's how I've always approached it.
1: Okay, well, the book is called Fantasy Life, the Outrageous, Uplifting, and Heartbreaking World of Fantasy Sports from the Guy Who's Lived It. It is available in a hardcover on July 16th, wherever books are sold, and in electronic form in eBook stores. You can also pre-order a copy of the book right now at FantasyLifeTheBook.com. Uh, you also get a whole goodie bag of extras if you pre-order the book uh, soon. So thank you so much, Matthew, for joining us today. Congratulations on the book uh, and best of luck. Thanks. And we will be back for our regularly scheduled fantasy shenanigans on Sunday on The Sleeper and the Bust. For Eno Saris and Matthew Berry. I'm Mike Podhorzer. Thanks for tuning in.